This week on Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. You want to go ahead and talk about linebackers? Oh, no, um, no, I, was, I, was, I wasn't sure if you were volunteering. <laughs> Hell no, I don't want to talk about linebackers. God, why would oh, you even suggest that? Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels Podcast. I'm David, and I write at the Yavin Base blog, and I'm joined this evening by Mike and Kyle from Never Tell Me the Odds. Say hello, gentlemen. Oh, hi. Hello. On today's show, we're going to talk about next week's combined episode about the Las Vegas Open, the finals coverage for the Yavin Base Team League. We're going to talk about some rules changes that have just dropped on the official rules forum. And we're going to spend most of today's show talking about list building. How should you build your lists for a game of Star Wars Legion? I'm excited. I got my, my English breakfast tea. I'm ready. Oh boy, I got my ginger ale. Let's let's do this. Um, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> got okay, all right. Apparently, this is a non-alcoholic uh, podcast today. I've got a I've got a prayer to the dice gods. Is what I've got. That's all I've got. So yeah, all next right. week we're gonna do an episode about LVO with Fifth Trooper. It's gonna be great. That's pretty sweet. The holiday special was fun. It was fun. There was a lot of alcohol involved in that. There was. Not tea. Not tea. Definitely not tea. But this time, uh, things will be different. This time, we're going to be all at a tournament together. And we're going to talk about what we're bringing next week. And we're going to talk about how it went afterward, we think. That's partially in the works. So we'll do a, we'll do a, a, a briefing and then a debriefing. Uh, in combination with all the folks from the fifth trooper that are going to go to the open so that's going to be pretty sweet there's going to be a thing in the middle there too it'll be a thing what what thing don't worry about it okay no seriously what thing (laughs) (laughs) i'm telling you not uh, to worry about it yeah that's that's a tease okay it's a tease all right so that's coming up next week. And uh, coming up this week, starting on Thursday, the final match of the Yavin Base Team League is going to get played. We've got two teams undefeated. We've got an entire Legion versus Jay and Silent Knobs in Search of Kingsley's Luck Part 2. Although I think they've changed their name one last time. Yeah, they found Kingsley's Luck. They did. They found it. I think they found it in round three they they slayed the triangular table yeah and uh it was a really sweet series they actually beat the triangular table 3-0 in a stunning upset to uh make it to the undefeated status going into the fourth round here so on it'll start on thursday at 9 30 in the morning we're going to be joined by jay from the fifth trooper and uh, at least two people from the teams that are not playing. Although I think screw tape who is playing uh, is going to be on for a little pre pregame talk. We're going to take questions from the chat. We're going to talk about lists and things, and then we're going to hop into the coverage of the actual game starting at 10 a.m. Pacific um, 1 p.m. Eastern uh, 6 p.m. GMT for our European listeners. And that'll be going on for about three hours or so. 
And then Saturday, oh man, Saturday, it is going to be a massive, massive stream. We're going to start at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, 8 p.m. GMT. We're going to start with, um, I believe it's R1H4. No, I'm wrong. It's Garn versus J. And then we're going to head into immediately afterward, Ellis versus R1H4. So we're going to have a double header. And um, I'm going to try to make it as much of a, a Legion party line as possible. I'm going to try to bring as many people on from the Discord just to, you know, we're going to have like a revolving door of people from the Discord, you know, coming to buy to say hello. And of course, we're going to have some of our sponsors on to talk about their role in the tournament as we uh, figure out who is going to be the champion, who's going to win the $210 prize purse that's up for grabs here. So each player is going to get 70 bucks and they're going to get some uh, t-shirts and they're going to get some other cool prizes. So we're that coverage is coming up on Saturday. It's going to be a big extravaganza. So uh, tune in anytime after noon Pacific on Saturday to twitch.tv slash Yavinbase to catch some of that coverage. Sweet. Yeah, that's happening. It is happening. Um, we're not in it, guys. What happened? Oh no, <laughs> we lost. That's what happened. <laughs> we lost. Yeah, exactly. We lost some games. <laughs> you know, I was doing some calculations. I don't know how much time you want to spend on this, but I realized that you could actually win the league going eight and four if you uh, uh, win all of your games by two to one. So you can actually have a pretty horrible record and still be the overall winner because you're you're undefeated by match score and not by win loss record. So I guess, thank goodness, win-loss record is just used for breaking ties because that would be pretty funny. You could actually be 3-1 and one with a 10-2 and two record, which is arguably better than an 8-4, and four, but the timing of the wins matter more than just the straight win-loss ratio. Anyway, numbers, that stuff's kind of boring. But a, <laughs> an interesting fact that I, I figured out as I was doing my preparation for the stream on Thursday... So uh, yeah, that's that's out there. We, on the other hand, are are trying to hang on by our fingernails to a two two record here. I mean, we made some bad choices over the yeah. over the over the course of. Uh, I know, I sure did. This <laughs> and you know, mistakes were made. Hey, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I still think spicy chicken combo is good, but uh, not in this format. It is. Yeah, not in the team league format. It's good in round four if you're one and two. <laughs> Like yeah. we are, uh, that's the time you break it out. Yeah, we saw some crazy jank yesterday. We saw a double air speeder again with Leia and like two snipers and like only nineteen wounds of troopers. That was ambitious, and uh, it went about as well as you'd expect. Uh, <laughs> Leia died on the turn. Master of Evil dropped, and three rebel trooper units panicked. It was it was all bad. Turns out, if you uh, kill their commander on the Master of Evil turn, it's kind of a big deal. Who would have thought? Yeah, it was kind of yeah. a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. Oh, you don't want to talk about that one time it did to you? Mm, yeah. That was one time. It was one time and it was great. <laughs> All right, so check out those streams on Thursday and Saturday. And I think we're going to move into uh, talking about the rules changes, the new additions to the FAQ thread and the FFG forums, the official rules thread where they answer questions and clarify things about the legion rules 
one of you guys want to take over here and give us an intro there? Uh, sure. Um, so yeah, every once in a while they kind of like just post some updates to, I, I would say that a lot of these are more like clarifications as opposed to actual changes to the rules overall. Um, they, they spend some time answering questions about weird interactions or ways people have found to like break things that maybe it wasn't planned to, to do it that way or whatever. Um, so uh, what do you guys think? Do you just want to like read this out verbatim and then talk about it? How do, how do you want to do that? I think we can just hit the highlights and the implications because some of these are um, kind of things that people were already doing. Okay. Or, you know, don't have like huge implications. So, um, yeah. So you do want to start with like the, the clarifications along that vein and then go to the bigger ones about the new stuff. Yeah, so like um, the two, I think that are sort of what people have been doing anyway. Well, there's really three, but the third one has significant gameplay implications. So I think we should talk about that anyway. Yep. Um, the first one is just uh, sabotage communications, which is the new uh, generic one pip for rebels. Um, essentially, how does that work if you have ways to issue orders other than via your command card, like HQ uplink or entourage? Um, and the, the text on the card just says that you reduce the number of orders issued from your opponent's command card by one. So the clarification was basically just to reaffirm that sabotage communications does not affect entourage or HQ uplink. So, um, you know, like if, if Palpatine places one pip and then issues an order to IRG and you play sabotage communications, he still gets to issue an order to himself and to the IRG. Yeah. Essentially, it makes any effects that give give out order tokens that aren't generated by a command card, like they they just still happen. Like it, there's right. no there's no effect to them. Yeah, and I think that was you know somewhat clear from the wording on the card, but um, obviously there were enough questions about it that they felt like they had to post it. So yeah, I mean, clarification is always nice. Yep, for sure, especially given the timing. Yeah, um, for sure, it's clear that that they did this specifically. I think for for LVO or yep. they just and, decided to be nice, but I sort of doubt that. And if that's the case, thank you, FFG. You're right. my hero. Um, Making Kyle's the other one. Easier. Yeah. Me and, and Brendan uh, and, uh, and road dog. So uh, thanks from us. Um, so the other one is uh, essentially what happens when you give into your anger, um, Luke or Leia, or not Luke, Leia or Veers when they play, coordinated bombardment or maximum firepower like can they make those attacks and have them still count for purposes of the command card um and the answer is yes basically so so the text for this is interesting because this seems to imply that this may eventually apply to other things but essentially um, it says, when resolving, quote, at the end of its activation effects, the player that controls the unit that is activating chooses the order of those effects. In the case above, the player controlling the targeted unit could choose to have it perform the attack granted by the command card before resolving the effects of given to your anger. So basically, it says, if there's, if there's more than one effect that occurs, quote, at the end of an activation, whoever's activating the unit chooses the order that those go in. So... If you're the one, if you're the owning player of Leia or Veers in that situation, and you got targeted by giving to your anger, I assume you would 
choose to make your attacks first and thus not uh, suffer the force suppression from the target from the uh, card. Yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> what's actually sort of interesting about this is there could be like corner cases where you actually want to reverse the order. Like if Leia is like out in the open and you want to give her cover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, I could see that. You know, yeah. I mean, it's 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 narrow, but um, it does leave the door open for kind of gamey shenanigans like that. Yeah, I mean, what it doesn't say is the attack happens first and give in to your anger doesn't apply. Right. So, right. So, the other one that's sort of a, you know, a clarification of what most people have been doing anyway, but I think it's super important because it has big implications for Han is um, how does reckless diversion work as far as minis versus units are concerned? So, there was a somewhat previous. Uh, forum FAQ that had a little bit confusing language in it and it essentially used like the example of a DLT trooper that was in range of Han and the question was can he choose another weapon that's not in range of Han to attack something else and the answer was no Um, but it was still kind of you know some people felt it was like an open question as to whether you could just split fire and check the box like if, if you know Han was at range three of that same DLT squad um, could they shoot Han with their E11s and then the DLT just shoot something else because they've fulfilled the attack Han requirement with one of those weapons? And the clarification essentially says that it's mini by mini, so each mini must attack Han if possible. In other words, in that situation, you can't split fire. If if minis have weapons that can attack Han, they have to use those weapons to attack Han. And you don't just quote unquote check the box by having one or more minis in the unit attack Han, and then the other minis can do whatever they want. Yeah. So this yeah. goes. This goes Sorry. also uh, for like Arsenal. You know, it's a similar situation. Um, like if you have Boba Fett, you know he's got Arsenal too. He's got a flamethrower. He's got his uh, his uh, range two wrist rocket, and he's got the E eleven. Like if Han is at range two and there's something else he wants to shoot at range one, he's got to spend those two arsenal points to to use two weapons against Han and and waste the flamethrower. So, I suppose what I was gonna say was if you played it the other way, you know, it leaves a lot of doors open to kind of obvi- to obviate the effect of reckless diversion. And uh, I'm glad that they clarified that they being FFG uh, clarified that this is indeed how it works. And, uh, I mean, it, not only is it more consistent with the purpose of the card, which is to force your opponent to attack Han or some other trooper, um, but also, like, it, it significantly increases the stock. And like you mentioned, I hadn't thought of that interaction with Arsenal, how you could actually force weapons out of a pool if they're not eligible. To, or if you, like, have kind of an overload of weapons, I suppose. Yeah, it's 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 in theory it's a good counter to Boba's flamer. You you got to be careful that he can't still like melee something because the flamer also has melee range. So if you can melee something and engage with it, then he's obviously no longer able to attack Han, and he can just flame whatever that unit is. I mean, I I don't know. I I, I think that that's like specifically for that purpose is a little bit narrow. Um, just because Boba can back up eight inches. Maybe maybe he can't flame or whatever he needs to flame or at that point. But there's you know, he he can back up and then shoot, putting him out of range, range two. I think yeah. pretty easily. Yeah, there there are still plenty of ways via line of sight and range to, to game 
you know, to, to shoot the target that you want to shoot. And that's why, like, as a Han player, you know, you have to make sure that you're actually putting Han in a good position where your opponent can't do that to protect the target that you want to protect. Um, and we could talk all day about, you know, like how to make a good reckless diversion. But um, as long as we're talking about Han, we might as well talk about change of plans. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, so essentially, all this says is that the change of plans effect is only relevant to the next card that is played. And that's it. Um, so when you change of plans, forcing them to like discard whatever card it is, um, discards the wrong word, put it back in their hand. If you then change of plans again, you can play the original card that got changed of plans, which is cool, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, personally, I, I don't, I don't like this change. I think it makes Han mirrors really boring because essentially it means that Han and a Han mirror is immune to change of plans. Um, you know, you play the card you want, your opponent plays change of plans, you play change of plans, your opponent plays something else, you pl- you go back to the card you originally want, you know, you're both down one change of plans and you're back where you started. Like, that feels really boring to me, but um, that's how they ruled it. So it, this has big implications, I think, for the sorry about the barbecue list, which, by the way, uh, has, my new favorite name for that, uh, I think Lunta came up with this, is spicy chicken combo. Um, I'm a big fan of that one so I'm going to start calling it spicy chicken combo thanks Lunta Um, but I I think it has big implications for that just because you know that list is at a natural disadvantage for the most part against Empire but at a fairly significant advantage against any Rebel player that's not bringing laser RTs which is most Rebels these days Um, like you really need your Rebel matches to be close to auto wins for a list like that to work and uh, this change affects Reckless Diversion specifically, which has huge impact on Spicy Chicken Combo. Because if, if you're playing against Han with, with your three Flamer RTs, and he can play <laughs> Reckless Diversion whenever he wants, they have to shoot him with, with their crappy little um, you know, driver rifles instead of flamethrowing something. So um, it, it, Reckless Diversion was already like a hard counter to Flame RTs. And this makes it in Han mirrors so that you can't prevent it with change of plans, essentially. And as a as a personal advocate for spicy chicken combo, I don't like this change, but I'm a little biased in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I, I get it. It you know, I mean, that's I think the the ruling is close to what the card literally says. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So it makes sense. I just I feel like it neuters change of plans in a mirror match pretty significantly, which is boring to me. But I, I mean, I kind of see your point. Um, so I'd be afraid of a loop situation, though, or not a loop situation, but um, which call it? Just like you know, freeze one and then freeze the other, and then you have like a bunch of spent and frozen cards that create just like a, no incentive to play your COP first. I it's, actually think that's super interesting personally but yeah. uh, so i mean you guys are both the rebel players so i i don't know what the percentage of the time this is but how many times have you guys actually played change of plants against another han list uh well i've only faced another han list once when i've been playing spicy chicken combo but i did I did the exact thing that you need to do which is play change of plants against reckless diversion sure 
I guess my so. my point is like, how often do you think Han mirrors are actually like pretty likely? I think Han is becoming more popular. I, I guess we'll see at LVO how much Wonder Twins versus Han lists you see, but um, I, I think it could be f- likely enough to make what is you know already a sort of on the fence viable list less attractive, at least to me personally. Sure. I mean, I pretty much agree with what Kyle said. Like, I mean, the number of Han mirrors I've played since Han came out has been essentially zero. Like, it's almost always Luke or, you know, some other... I usually play Wonder Twins, and so I don't really get a chance to play Han mirrors. But when I do take Han, I'm usually never against another Han. So maybe that's just my luck. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see, you know, what the breakdown is starting to look like. The LVO is the first major tournament that we'll have since Han came out, so... And I think uh, definitely the odds the odds did go up recently just because people realized, oh man, uplinks and sorry about the mess is really good. Yeah, but, I mean, people it. knew that since Michigan, so. Well, and now you can put uplinks and fleets and fun stuff like that. So there is a little bit more play to that, I think. Yeah, though personally, I think improv is better than uplinking fleets, but because you with, just with, with oh sure 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 sure. Yeah, because you just sense. you just improv um, your first non-core token if you happen to play Sorry About the Mess and you don't pull a core from the back. It's just like uplinking your fleets. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but improv was like the most unassuming card of that pack when I first set eyes on Han. But then like once I saw it in practice, I was like, oh my god, this card is amazing. <laughs> this is like the best card in the pack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I think that it, um, right I mean, maybe it'll stay this way forever. I kind of hope it doesn't. But, you know, we have yet to see a major list that is not running like five or six core units. I think improv loses a lot of value once you are down in the like three to four core unit territory. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, but I think it is super valuable in the in the five to six core unit environment. Um, absolutely, absolutely. It's just like... And I think that's why it's great because that's the meta right now for a good reason i think yeah undoubtedly um it it is definitely less useful in like a vader or palp list where you have either fairly you know like in a vader list you're giving your order to vader in a palp list you're giving your order to palp and irg so um like but like in in veers boba or wonder twins where you have multiple characters i think it's great yeah you just really need them to go at specific times which that helps with yep um, speaking of handing out orders and stuff, I think the last update in here is relevant to comms relay. Very, very relevant, in fact. Yeah, so I think before there was a ruling in regards to the Entourage Entire Legion. Was it Entire Legion or Battle Meditation ruling? Battle Meditation and Entourage, I believe. Um where essentially Fantasy Flight said that when you issue orders, you issue them one at a time. So it was theorized when comms relay came out that you could just pass like your entire cards worth of order tokens through that comms relay. Well, clarification is during the command phase, a unit can be issued in order only once, even if a game effect causes that order to be removed or issued to another unit instead. 
which pretty much means that if you are sending your comms relay token to another squad, the squad that has a comms relay cannot transfer another order, nor can it be issued an order itself. Yeah, I'm, you know, I think that sort of knocks down comms relay from the excellent to still very good upgrade, especially yeah. with both three pips um, for activation control. But yeah, it, it seems like a sensible change. You know, I guess it felt a little bit gamey to be able to use like one comms relay to pass out, to essentially bypass the orders on three different, you know, the restrictions on three different orders. Yeah, I mean, it should, um, it, if that was how it worked, it should have probably cost like 15 points, right? Like, right. Can, can we still say, though, that, and I think we could say it comfortably, I shouldn't say can we, I think those three pips without a relay are just flat worse than those three pips with a relay, uh... simply because of the even the single instance of the relay effect gives you so much uh, flexibility. I don't know. I think that... Um... I personally feel that if, unless you're trying to get an order in a very specific place, improvised order is probably just better. Yeah, see, that's my sticking point because you can only use improv once. And if you are able to eliminate like half to a third of the cases where, or sorry, third to half of the cases where you would need to use that improv once, you basically save that improv for the pivotal moment rather than having to just accept that you're going to have a leak somewhere. It's also forward versus reverse, right? Like, yeah, you know, improv is good in reverse. In other words, throwing back a non-core token that you don't want. Um, so I think I think you could muddle through covering fire with that, because usually with covering fire, you're like if you're using comms relay, you're using it to give an order to Luke um, so that he doesn't have to go early in the turn, and you can throw dodges at him all turn. Um but obviously, with coordinated fire, you you want to go forward. You want to be able to activate veers first. So yeah, um, you definitely can't use improv for that situation. Oh, for sure, uh, no, no, no. But no. yeah, I think I generally agree with you. It's it's just you know improv is is backwards and comms relay is forwards. So yeah, if if you if you need a specific unit to go early on the turn that you're issuing those three pips, I think comms relay is a lot better. Um, it just is yeah, just to, yeah. Just to clarify to people who are listening, when we say forwards, we mean early in the turn, and we say backwards, we mean later in the turn. That's... Right. So, so, and that's that's when improv is especially good backwards because presumably you have like five or six core tokens in your bag, which means when you when you pull something that a core token or not a core token, when you pull a non-core token that you don't want, you can throw it back and be reasonably assured that you're not going to grab some other token that you also don't want. Yeah, until the gods of chance, you know, frown down upon you. <laughs> oh, oh, can yeah. I talk about can I talk about that actually really briefly? <laughs> totally. I had that happen to me in a game in a tournament recently where I tried to pull some, you know, BS stuff where I played like my coordinated bombardment and I said, Okay, I got I have one priority, now I'm gonna draw a core trooper and I hit the one in ten and got Luke instead. Uh, out of my bag and I didn't have improv in that list and I was very very sad and in fact that was actually the turning point of the game where I lost control of the game turn, and, uh, turn one <laughs> no not turn one uh turn three actually because he cop'd me oh okay all right 
and there was still viable target. It was one of these KP situations where his KP was so far across the board that Bombard was still viable on turn three. Sure, sure. So that was sort of the idea. Is like I'm going to play Bombard to pick those snipers up in the backfield, but I win priority to get my fleet troopers out so they can pop around a corner and blast Han into a million pieces. And instead, I hit a one in ten and pulled Luke out of my bag rather than hitting the six and ten for the core trooper. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what it's for. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's sta- it's been stapled to my Wonder Twins list for a while now. Yeah, so classic example. This is why you spend the ten points. Yep. You guys got any other thoughts on that? I I don't know. I'm I think I'm I think I'm sated on that subject. I'm satisfied. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think overall, um, these were good clarifications, good updates. Um, nothing groundbreaking. I don't know. The uh, change of plans one was pretty big for me personally as a as an advocate for spicy chicken combo, but I don't imagine that affects a lot of people except <laughs> except masochists like me. Cast off the shackles of Skywalker, young Padawan. <laughs> I've been trying. It's really hard. It's it is extremely hard. But whenever I whenever I take a whenever I play someone new, I just deliberately keep Luke in the ba- in the box because. Luke can be really overwhelming if you don't know how to deal with him. And uh, for newer players, they usually break out Leia just by herself or some other combination that's like non-standard just because it gives people a broader experience of the game rather than be like, here's Luke, he kicks butt. Uh, <laughs> you know? I will say for like um, any games that like teaching games, I pretty much is always Leia versus fears <laughs> that I set up. Um, I actually, I don't think that the force users are um, good for learning the game <laughs> at all. Really, uh, no, they're not. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because they're in the course set. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, we, you know, you can't. I mean, of course, they had to use the two most iconic characters from Star Wars in the course set. Like, I get that. It just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, their their vision of the game is is dead on. Yeah. Um, no question. But like you say, in terms of teaching fundamentals, they're kind of in a class of their own, like how you use them as opposed to every other unit in the game. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, there's, I mean, Palpatine's kind of sort of in that class too now, but they just like, they do very unique things. And it's, um, you know, doing things like jumping into melee, killing a unit, and then like force pushing another unit into melee with you like those things are not intuitive <laughs> um so yep yeah speaking of luke should we dog list building sure yeah let's do it we should this is this is the meat and potatoes right yeah kyle you wrote a two-parter article for imperial discipline on this subject right he did i did it was i'm just um, i'm just entirely too long of... which is why it's two parts <laughs> I think it's well, it's actually it's the longest article I've I've written, um, which is saying something. Um, but yeah, basically it just walks through. Um, if if you haven't read it, please check it out. Um, it's it's on Imperial Discipline. Uh, it's also um, on our site swlegionodds.com. At least the first part of it is, and then it'll redirect you to Imperial Discipline. Um, 
please give us both clicks. Um, but essentially, it just walks through like the steps. At least you know. So this is not this is not the only way to build a list. And I want to hear your guys' take on how you do it. Um, this is just my opinion and like the thought process that I go to when I'm trying to build a competitive list. Um, and the short version is basically like it for me. It always re revolves around some kind of focus. So you know, you pick like one high impact unit or group of units to start with, and then you essentially build your list around supporting that. So like we were just talking about Luke, um, you know, Luke is a focus. So you, you start with Luke and then you, you support uh, Luke with your other choices, essentially, as you build out your list. Yeah. Um, I also talk about like different types of focuses. So, um, you know, like essentially for me, I break them into three groups. Um, and these are just terms that I use, but scalpel, which is, you know, something that's very sharp, but also fragile when focused. So that's like Luke, Boba Fett and bikes, um, hammers, which are things that you shove in your opponent's face and force them to deal with. So that'd be like an ATST or RT flamers and then control units, which are, you know, uh, units like Vader or Palpatine that exercise an extremely high degree of control over like a small um, part of the battlefield. Meanwhile, the T forty seven sitting over here, the uh, the Fisher Price mallet <laughs> of hammer units. <laughs> yeah. So, if you if you read the article, you'll notice that the T forty seven is not mentioned in there at all. I mean, it's got the um, best weapon in the game, guys. I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> it's, it's literally yeah, man, the it's best got... dice pool of the game. It's like one dice pool off of a guard at range of a guard unit at range three. Like that's pretty good, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> it's good in raw terms. It's not good for two hundred points. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. But I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Like, what's what's your general process? Uh, mine is very similar to yours in that I think I think a focus is where you start. Um, <laughs> the question I generally ask, as opposed to like, do I want a scalpel? Do I want a hammer? Do I want a control piece is what is the absolute most busted thing I can be doing? Um, and then I build it around that. Uh, and give us an example of a busted thing in your opinion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I see. I seem to, I seem to have tried on, on some thin ice. Yeah. Uh, um, my apologies. I mean, but like, you know, I, I think that, um, overall i mean that's just kind of like how i look at games in general i like to break things um but you know i i mean i think any of any of those things are like valid ways to go about it it's just i think it comes down to a lot of personal preference sort of things i think the other thing is that um you know tournament play aside you know if if i'm not playing competitively my focus when building a list is almost always theme um so those are those are like the two a, main ways that i build this so you're you're you play a lot of vader is was that a theme choice for you or or a combination of of both um so originally it was a theme choice uh you know when when i saw legion first released i was like i i just want to play the 501st legion like if that's all i ever play in this game i will be happy like um and 
so I, I don't know. I just like Vader backed up by stormtroopers. Like there's there's not many things that like beat like that. I don't know that atmosphere and that vibe. And then I you know I played it and you know Vader's clearly not the most um, oppressive piece in the game or anything like that. But I do think that he some. some Sometimes he can be very busted, and and when he is busted, it feels quite broken. Um, is he the most busted thing in the game? No, I don't think so. Um, I think presently, you know, there's things we could talk about. I also think that at the time, Luke is probably way, way more busted than Vader. Um, and when just to qualify this, when I say busted, I just mean really, really good. Um, as far as like it's the best thing you could be doing and uh but i think for empire like for 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 me at least i i think vader was the most busted thing i could be doing yeah the the quest is rebels to cast as we talked about the cast off the shackles of skywalker is difficult it's a good problem to have but it's still frustrating you know yeah i mean um I, I I would give a lot for Vader to have another two inches of movement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I'd give my my left kidney. Um, you know, if for two more inches, if, if, of I, I guess it's, I guess it's four, right? Because that's the difference between two double moves. But um, oh yeah, but yeah, it's it's you know, if if he was that fast, he would be he'd be very busted. So. Um, I mean, good on FFG for not doing that. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, and it feels thematic too that it's like with Vader, he's so powerful, but he's also not going to to charge right down your throat instantly. You know, it's implacable. I think perfectly uh, describes the the theme for him. It's like he's he's going to kill you. It might take him a while, but he's he's going to murder you. Yeah, and I mean, like going back to the busted thing, I think like the card implacable. Um when it's like most optimal, it's probably the most busted card in the game. Uh, in the... Yeah. Especially, especially with the refresh now and master of the force happening yeah. at the end of your activation. I mean, you can, you can literally like walk force choke, walk, slice a whole squad up, take a wound, do it again. Like it's literally just Darth Vader walking down the hallway in Rogue one and, when you do that, that feels busted. It feels it feels broken. It feels like you should not be able to do that, and it's just it's really cool. Uh, You're a cyborg space wizard, man, and these are like peasants compared to you. Yeah, I mean they are. They're terrorists. Yeah. But yes. If if anyone if anyone should be able to do something that feels like that, it's Darth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And the fact that they got 100%. that right in the game, and it's not so brokenly overpowered that you know, it just. Yeah, like the effect is very localized. It's not like, you know, it's not board defining, but it certainly is very powerful in this small area. So that's the limiting factor, right? Is that, and you can only do it one time, which is kind of nice. Yeah. So, you know, back to like choosing a focus. Um, my 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 rule that I follow personally when I do that is I only is I only pick one. Um, like you don't want to do at least i wouldn't want to do a list that has both vader and an atst in it or luke and 
you know, triple flame or ATRTs. Um, I feel like you're just dumping too many points into your into your focus at that point. But yeah, don't have two centerpieces. Uh, basically, yeah. I don't know. I get where you guys are coming from. I was having a conversation with, I think it was uh, Jay and Dave before we got on the cast. Like, I think the Boba Vader is not bad. It's not. It's not like tier one, but it's playable. Yeah, that might be the one exception. I think that um, you can break that. In my opinion, you can break that rule with. Um, yeah, the stipulation there is that you tore out all of your special forces and supports and just put Boba in your list. That's the stipulation with yeah, that I mean, one. I think I um, the list I was running was like five storms, Vader, two snipers, Boba. Um, That's pretty sick. Yeah, I, th- I think I, I was like running like one naked stormtrooper squad. So it's like. It's really like four storms and one squad that doesn't do much and Boba and two snipers. Um, but like, it's, it's you know, good. You know, Kyle, with the, with the analogies we're making here, like I was going to say that Boba is a hammer that needs an anvil, but if Boba's a scalpel, I guess he needs an operating table. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Vader's the operating table. <laughs> yeah. Vader, Vader with a, with a big core of stormtroopers is a pretty good operating table. Uh, for that scalpel unit there. I love it. Yeah. Um, Just to make the analogy consistent, you know? Yep. So after you've got a focus, the next thing I do is I kind of fill out my core. Uh, and by core, I mean C-O-R-E. But then you fill it out with core, C-O-R-P-S. Oh. You see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> um, where's, where's Jay with the room shot? I'm sure he'll <laughs> edit it in. Yeah, I'm sure it'll. Uh, I'm sure it'll get in there. Um, so um, I love personally for rebels. I love Z6s. So like my baseline is three Z6s, and then I'll kind of build up from there. I usually end up with um, like four of them, and then a fleet trooper unit, which is which actually is part of a separate section here. Um, so I don't want to get into fleets yet, but um, like when I talk about building a core, personally, I view that as just. DLT stormtroopers and rebel troopers with Z6s. Um, it, you can run lists with naked rebel troopers. I've never personally had success doing that, um, but I know other people have. So don't let me tell you that you can't or shouldn't do that. Just that, uh, you know, personally, I love I love rolling like ten dice at a time. <laughs> what you need to do is you need to make a list with uh, six naked stormtroopers and uh, three full scout units with sniper rifles. Bam, uh, knocking them down. <laughs> yeah, but then if your scouts melt, you got nothing. Yeah, that's the trouble with lists like those. But uh, there have been some some proponents of that style of list building. Although th- that does bring up a good point, which is, uh, you know, the fundamental uh, conceit of this game is that you, ha- you have units on a battlefield doing stuff, not necessarily shooting each other. That's just one thing they could do if they chose I mean, to. So, like, having enough dudes to do the objective is paramount. I mean, just in terms of fundamentals of list building. Yeah, this is kind of like the... So, why do you need a core, right? You need need dudes on the table that shoot things, you know, die for your cause, and capture objectives. Um, If need be. You can win by not shooting. That's the Jedi way. Fight by not fighting. Terrorists, not Jedi. Continue. You can also win, win hopefully by not dying, but that's usually pretty difficult. 
Yeah, that's very difficult, especially with Pierce and critical hits combining together to make a, a the Legion equivalent of a mortal wound. Um, it's also good for your token mix, which we can talk about too, um, to have five to six core units. I, Basically, you're creating activation control by controlling the contents of your token bag. I do think that that is, in, at least in my mind, the primary reason to do it. Um, like... Uh, it's not that more much more expensive to just like load a naked Wookiee squad up as opposed to running a Z six unit. Um, it's like what another fourteen points or something like that. What's a naked Wookiee squad? Seventy five. Seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah. Sixty two. So. <clears throat> With Z six, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I mean, and I think overall. Like a, a naked Wookiee squad is not that much different in in like total effectiveness as a Rebel Trooper squad. Um, generally speaking, it, it's clearly measured in a different way. Um, but there's way more wounds in that squad. Um, but but I, I long story short, what I'm trying to say here is that I think the order token kind of um, streamlining is probably the biggest deal yeah i mean we can we can we could have a whole separate episode on this too but like just briefly launching into why activation control is so important um when you're going to your token bag you need to either a not care what you're going to pull out of it or b know what you're going to pull out of it right so um having a lot of core units helps you with both of those things because you're most likely to pull a core unit um, and you're unlikely to care that you do pull a core unit because, so like over the course of a turn, you're essentially activating units, hopefully in, in the order that you want to, um, which means you want proactive units to go for first. Those would be units that are like in danger or they need to like immediately score an objective or they're in a position to like do a lot of damage to another unit or something like that. Um, and then you want to kind of transition from proactive to reactive. And the reason core units are so good for that is, you know, you've got five to six core units. They're going to be in like different situations all over the battlefield. So when you pull a core token, you're going to have some, some of your core units on the table are going to be in a proactive situation and some of them are going to be in a reactive situation. So you can essentially like transition naturally, you know, by going to your token bag and pulling core units out. Um, just because when you pull a core token, you've got five or six choices as to which like specific unit you want to activate. So... Um, and as we mentioned earlier, it helps a lot too with improvised orders. Yeah. It also makes it so like if you've got six core units and you play assault, like a lot of those times your bag is just core units, <laughs> um, which means you just have complete control, which is fantastic. Um, yep. The, the closer you can get to that, the better. And that, that's why you're generally issuing orders to, you know, commanders, operatives and spec ops. Or, you know, vehicles if you have those. I suppose that's a good segue into talking about linebacker units, which uh, some of which are special, some of which are core, and then fire supports, which are mostly support and uh, special forces units. Yeah, so I'll... You want to go ahead and talk about linebackers? 
I wasn't sure. Hell if you were no, I don't want to talk about linebackers. God, why would you even suggest that? <laughs> no, man. No, okay, okay, okay. I'll 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 give it a shot. Okay, so um, every list kind of has these um kind of linebacker units. You know, uh, we talk about royal guards. We talk about wookies, uh, fleets, and snow troopers. They're kind of these uh short range. They hit hard kind of units. Some of them are easier to suppress than others. Some of them are cheaper than others. Um, but really what they're there for is to um, either create a threat or create a backstop. Um, a lot of times these units, um, given the correct initiative and given the correct board state, are very, very likely to defeat whatever they're engaging um, just because they are so overwhelmingly strong. For example... A unit of Wookiees charging into a unit of Rebel troopers, uh, the Wookiees are going to win that fight hands down. There's like no comparison there. Likewise with Royal Guard against a similar situation with Rebel troopers as well. Um, fleets versus, say, Stormtroopers. Um, fleets have Pierce. They got a huge dice pool. If they, and same with Snows. If they're able to catch a unit of Stormtroopers in the open, and I mean, the snowtroopers have the flame, the flamethrowers, so they, you know, can just negate cover anyway. Like, if you can catch your opponent out in a in a good situation, you are very li- liable to severely weaken or just annihilate whatever those guys engage, and that's extremely potent and uh, can certainly um, you can either use it as a flank to generate threat to force your opponent to split their focus, or you can um, use them as a a way to stop and advance in your own territory, especially the Wookiees I find with Rebels. Um, if you're not using them to flank already, um, if your opponent tries to pull similar shenanigans, they're like, oh, no, no, I'm going to get countercharged by a bunch of Wookiees and, and killed. I can't actually approach that position because guess what? You've got this uh, this very angry wall of fur in the way. So that's kind of that's kind of how I, how I see linebackers anyway. I'm, I'm sure I missed a few things. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, they're generally just—they're the very powerful non-hero units in my mind. You know, they—they they tend to be either really high hit point units or really high damage units or a combination of the two. And um, I, I think the best way to th- think about these units is that they're the units that, generally speaking, are going to create the momentum swings in the game the big momentum swings at least um, you know when for sure they've got sorry they've got some kind of force multiplier attached to them too usually so like for the wookies they have a piercing bow cast they got a ton of wounds uh, they got tenacity you know snows have uh, a spray weapon and they've got the ability to negate cover fleets have pierce and just if you got a six-man fleet trooper you're throwing 12 dice at your opponent Maybe you got a concussion grenade in there to boot to deny cover. And then Royal Guard, you know, especially if you got Palp behind them, you got a double tapping Royal Guard. That's crazy good with pull the strings. Like you are you are very likely to do severe damage in the right situation with these units. They tend to also be the units that you um like I, in Armada we tend to use like the term like last first stain a lot it's it's relevant to this game too and that if you're able to go last with the unit and then go first with it um it's it's very powerful and and these tend to be the units that are not 
you know, your commander or operatives um, that operate in that fashion. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, the reason that I like to think of them like linebackers is because even though they are high impact, they're also typically expensive. And like in the case of fleets and snow troopers, they're fragile for, for the cost that you're paying. Um, so I prefer to use these units like either to, to respond to threats, you know, you, you let your opponent come to you and then you plug a hole with them um, or, uh, you know, exploiting gaps. So whether that's, um, you know, like force pulling a unit around a corner to ice them with some fleet troopers or something like that. I, typically, I don't, you know, this is just my play style, but I don't like to like like charge these units and try and ram them in my opponent's face um, because you might, like snows are a great example, and I feel like this happens a ton with snowtroopers. Like you get all excited, you get them up in there, you do your double move, um, maybe even use new ways to motivate them. You flame a rebel trooper squad and you eliminate that rebel trooper squad. But then your snowtroopers are like out there in the middle of your opponent's army all by themselves unsupported, and your opponent just deletes them. Um, and you've now traded, you know, like a full unit of snowtroopers for a much cheaper unit of rebel troopers, and that's that's not a good trade. So, um, I like to wookies are another good example. Like wookies, um, their impact increases the more you can have them at full strength later into the game. So I tend to hold them kind of in reserve or use them selectively the first couple turns, and then once your opponent has some weaker activations, you know, assuming you're you're starting to win the attrition war, then I start trying to like get them in there to exploit opportunities or, or plug holes. I think Chewie is also um, a linebacker unit in certain contexts, although he's, uh, I would also put him in like a support yeah, category. I was, I was actually going to say that I think both operatives can fill this role a little bit. Like they're, they're clearly focuses. Um, but I also think that they're, it's, it's, interesting in that they tend to fill a lot of the roles that you know wookies or fleets or snows or whatever um kind of fill already um, yeah I, I have a really hard time um making a list with both wookies and chewy in it which is unfortunate but I, I feel like their role just overlaps too much personally yeah i kind of agree with you I just think that Chewie is a little bit less of a... He's definitely less of a threat on his own than the Wookiees are, just because his uh, his damage output is relatively low. Like, his dice pool's not that large. He's just a single character, and he doesn't have Sharpshooter. However, he does have Surge Crit, which is really sweet. He's got a point of Pierce in there. And with that Surge Crit and four dice, you know, he's averaging one crit, roughly speaking every time he rolls and so he's able to put a wound where you need to put that wound and sometimes you know you get like you know you get the god shot and you get like a crit and three surges or something crazy like that and he does like a bunch of damage to things but it's that's very rare compared to like wookies who are rolling out with you know eight black with surge hit maybe even they took a wound so they got a red die from tenacity you know and you know chewy also you know wookies their health is their own like Chewie's health kind of belongs to other units in your list a little bit because of his uh his guardian ability 
and i i kind of in hindsight like i kind of think he's slightly over cost but that's a whole other discussion we can talk about with chewy but um but in terms of just like where he fits into your list yeah he kind of he's kind of half and half like i think his best feature is surge and crit and the impact from the bowcaster like actually gives you an in against vehicles in a list where you might not otherwise have that ability especially like chewy features a lot in commando lists he features a lot in lists that don't have a lot of anti-vehicle because you spent all your points on commandos and him. <laughs> so, uh, you know, his ability to do damage to vehicles definitely cannot be understated. Like, that's a very important thing to have. And, I mean, in that sense, he's a linebacker against a specific unit type, right? Not generally speaking. But yeah, that's how, that's where I think Chewie kind of slots into all this. Yeah, and I think you're right, Mike. I think I think Boba Fett can can uh, fulfill the same kind of role, you know, if he's not your yeah. if he's not your focus, which he would be in like a Veer's bubble list. But I think in your earlier example of a Vader bubble list, I think Boba is your is your linebacker oh, and Vader is your focus, hands down. Um... I will say that as far as like acting like a backstop, he's not very good at that. Um, but uh, you don't. <laughs> yeah, he's, no, he's a yeah, supreme yeah, duelist, though. Absolutely. He's really like, good. He's he's a he's a a linebacker that's always rushing the quarterback as opposed to um, to one that is, you know, hanging back and covering the wide receivers. Um, yeah. To, to use a hand egg analogy. <laughs> hey man, there's a big game coming yeah. up this week. And I know I know that That's you guys true. don't seem to be very big football fans, but my boys are playing and everybody better be rooting for them. Or you can be haters. It's fine. Yep, go Rams. Hey American man, Patriots football. for life. We're gonna win. We are the evil empire of football. <laughs> Darth Vader Darth Vader and uh Emperor Palpatine are alive and well. And Bill, <laughs> and Bill and, Belichy. Alive and well. Oops. So um, everything's going to be fine. Anyways, that's where I'll be Sunday. Uh, should we talk about supporting characters real quick? Uh, yeah. Like fire support units? No, like, um, you know, characters that are not focus characters. Lay of Ears. So, Lay of Ears. Arguably Han. Um Although I'm still not quite sure what to, where to put him, but uh, Krennic, whenever he gets here, yeah. Um, so these are characters that are support characters, right? Like their job is to make all your other stuff work better. Um, I don't know how much like more there is to deep well, dive on I, that one. I think that these are. Mm. I'm hesitant to say this, but I think they are the most underused and un- used is maybe not the right word. They're the most undervalued unit type, I think, in the game presently. Um, yeah, I certainly don't mean to dismiss their usefulness with uh, with the brevity. Like Leia is, I, I have a really hard time making a list without Leia. Yep. Um, she just does so much, you know, dishing out dodge tokens. Her command cards are great. Um She's not terrible at killing stuff like inspire it inspires a extremely valuable keyword that I think um, just gets uh, dismissed a lot. Totally. Um, I think, I think that uh, Veers is not quite there for Imperials. He's, he's good. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, he's not quite Leia. I think Krennic might be. Um, Com- Compel is a really good keyword. <laughs> uh, and I think that he... I think he fits the Leia role in an Imperial list a lot better than Veers does. I don't know, man. Someone told me Spotter 2 is pretty good. <laughs> was it me? Was it me? Oh, uh, um, he went there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I, Spotter 2 is great. I, I'm, I'm talking kind of more from like a generalist perspective, slided into any list. Spotter, Spotter 2 is fine on its own, you know? Um, turns out handing out aim tokens isn't all that bad. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah. I think that while aim tokens are. Handing out two AIM tokens is good value. Um, there's nothing that can really compete with giving your units uh, actions back. At least, I don't know. That's kind of how I feel about it without having played with yeah. it. Well, um, I mean, isn't isn't that what you're doing with AIM tokens? It's, sorry. Sure. AIM Inspire 1. But like, yeah. Moves are so much more valuable than aims, generally. Oh yeah, comparing. Uh, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, 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 Uh yes, handing out. The thing is, the 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 spotter two is really only ever one or two free actions, unless you're doing specific things with it. Um, Whereas compel is free actions equal to the number of units you have suppressed. Yeah, that could be like five or six reactions. Yeah, I, mean, I just like amazing. there, there, there is <laughs> no small number of games where I have said to myself at some point during the game, "Man, I really wish I had two actions right now." And um, Krennic's just like, "Sure, do your thing." Um, yeah, I don't know. Seems seems really good. So. Yep. It, uh, no, I totally agree. I, I think that v- Veers oh. maybe doesn't fit the support role as well. I think he's he's much more narrow. I guess is what I'm trying to say. That that is what I'm trying to say. Veers is much more narrow. He's very offensively offensively sure. geared in that he hands out aim tokens. Um, I think Krennic is much more versatile in that a move enable like enables you to take a second action that is whatever whether it be dodge or shoot or whatever because if if you really needed to move that was going to be your one action um so i don't know that's how i feel about it but getting back to supporting characters um i think that overall they're undervalued i think they're also probably some of the hardest units in the game to use um as far as uh, their positioning, at least at first, doesn't seem to be terribly relevant, but it's actually insanely relevant. Um, you know, making making sure that you, you know, are able to take your maximum firepower, coordinated bombardment shot, and not and still be in cover. And um, Kyle, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, like just generally speaking, making sure that they're still in Inspire range and things like that is, uh, you know, I haven't played a ton with Veers, but I know that I am, like, 
tend to forget about his inspire keyword a lot. Um, so, in any case. He's also got that sharpshooter keyword that's a little bit wasted. Because, you know, he's not really rolling that many hits and relative to the number of crits he rolls anyway, just because of his dice pool. I mean, I guess Starfighter one's nice for for uh, what's what you call it max firepower. That's where it matters the most, I think. But you know, he's paying for some things he doesn't really need in the long yeah. run. But anyway, that, that's kind of just a, that's about Veers more than just about the general discussion, which is list building. Um, I guess we could maybe move on to fire supports. Yeah, I mean, I think that overall. Um... <laughs> you could almost boil down fire support to <clears throat> sniper teams. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, there are clearly other units in the category. It's, it's unfortunate, but, yeah. But I think that that's kind of where we are right now. Um, I hope it changes in the future. But like, I mean, yeah, sniper spam is 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 present. It's very noticeable. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to lifeboat spam in in Armada. You know, they're cheap yeah units that buffer your activation count that have some sort of effect on the board um i don't know but in, in any case um you know the other things that go into this are fds and um ewebs both of which uh, i personally don't think are very good i think that there can be an argument for one ewebs in your list um Specifically, if you take Palpatine, I don't really like him other than that, though. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, they can be great, but like a lot of the things that go in this category, so um, I put like FD cannons, E-Webs, and Saboteurs all in this category, um, are very turn zero dependent, and they can either be great or they can be totally hung points. And FT cannons in, in particular, I feel like you can really hang if you if you screw up turn zero. Yeah, when, and, we, say, when we say hanging, we mean yeah. left out to dry. That's really what we mean to say. Yep. And I, I just, I don't like taking units that um, require you to bid because it's like a premium that you're paying on top of their points cost, right? So. Like if you have a turn zero, if if you have a unit like an FD cannon that is turn zero dependent, that means you need to be, that means you care more about which cards you're eliminating, and that means you care more about blue blue player, which means you need to bid more. So, you know, your FD cannon doesn't really cost seventy points; it costs you seventy points plus whatever you feel like you need to bid to ensure that you're getting the setup cards that you want. Right, they got like this overhead attached that kind of like fudges their actual cost upward. Right. Um, so that's why I think, you know, the the, the advice here, as Mike said, is yeah. just take two sniper teams. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's, if a, you're... that's a good cornerstone. It's it's like the basic. It's kind of become like a basic like uh, language of list building here. Is like I, I wish it wasn't. Can't go wrong. Frankly, uh, you know, I th I think um, if we ever live in a world where like standbys can't be shot off in placement troopers. Um, the other, the other units might get a lot better, um, but that's not the world we live in. And 
I think overall, you're right. It comes down to turn zero. And as far as turn zero goes, snipers are the cheapest and they're also the least impacted by turn zero. Um, yeah, they're the ones that are most yeah. likely to be useful, yeah. regardless of what cards you end up with, except for limited viz. Um, but since everybody runs snipers, most people cut limited viz. So yeah, it turns out <laughs> having infinite range makes you useful in almost every situation. I mean, there there's very few turns where you're like, I can't take a shot with my snipers, right? E- even if the only thing you can do is try and put a crit through cover or something, like it's still still like does something as opposed to nothing yeah but that's a great that's a great point though because like a lot of folks you know and while it might be true that you could put that crit through or try to put the crit through like let's say you let's say you deal a suppression or something and it's just like the one suppression you'd ever deal and you know sure they deal they, they get a shot off they deal a meaningless suppression that that that's kind of equivalent right to hanging it other than the activation that you got I there know. i mean so like people shouldn't settle you know what i mean you should look for the out of cover shot always look for the out of cover shot get I, the value roll the roll the one paint get the pierce do i agree it. to some extent i do think that the suppression token that is generated by those snipers is undervalued immensely most of the time yeah yeah that's I, like, fair so the, the amount of times that's, that i've used i totally agree my sniper team specifically just a suppression unit um that i only want to take one action and it's like the only like it's on the other side of the battlefield i'm like i really don't want that thing to get in the fight so i'm just gonna hit it with a sniper rifle i don't even care if anything dies i'm gonna hit it with a sniper rifle they've now got a two-thirds chance when they activate that unit if it's a core unit that it's not taking two actions great that sounds like a great deal to me um right that is marvelous you know, no question it's just that that value is dropping with the increase in in sources of inspire especially with the uh, officers and turning the yeah, tide now being absolutely. a thing um but but if they're taking those things they're also they've <laughs> they've got less dudes which means snipers generally are better because Pierce is more meaningful. Yep. Um, yep. It's, it's so much. It's so much tougher when you brought nineteen wounds of troopers to lose two guys to a sniper than it is if you brought mm-hmm. thirty-one. Like it's it's it, that point is borne out immediately. Like you're like, okay, well, I lost. I lost a guy. Big deal. I still yep. got thirty dudes. Yeah, and they really help in the attrition fight, which is going to be important in almost any objective that you're playing. Yeah. So forcing wounds is pretty, um, pretty key with crits and those, pierce. Yep. Those, uh, and maybe we can talk about this more next week, but those, those turns like two to four, which are the, the quote unquote, like attrition turns, you know, it's super important in those turns to just get up on model count, depending on what the objective is. Um, and snipers really help you. Do I that. hear there are other really good ways to get up on model count these days. <laughs> we're talking about list building today list building uh, speaking of list building you guys want to move on to upgrades I, I don't know if there's much to be said here like basically you know the, the made the big point here is just ask yourself before you take this upgrade how often is this gonna ha- how often am i gonna run into a situation where this would happen so like you got some upgrades right you got like 
environmental gear. You got like grappling hooks, which are like terrain dependent, board dependent. They may or may not work. You've got hunter. It may or may not work. You've got um, what you call it. Uh, heck, even force choke may or may not work. Uh, targeting scopes definitely a may not work most of the time, unless you are a certain uh, a certain don't, faction. It, let me. It's just not um, good. Don't take it. Continue. Yeah. yeah. No, they're just not. Good. Yeah, they're just it okay. Matter. Okay, fine. They're just yeah. bad, regardless of faction. I'll take them. Yep. They're don't, bad. Stop. Don't even stop it. Yep. <laughs> just, 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 just do something else with them. You know, put them in a put them in a sleeve. And write a write a card you don't own you, on a little scrap of paper and just it. stuff it in the sleeve. Exactly. Using the proxy. Perfect so, proxy fodder. I don't know what your guys' approach to this is, but um, generally speaking, I don't even consider upgrades until I have all my other boxes checked. I like I wait until I know I have my focus. I know I have like since I'm playing Empire, if I don't have nine activations, I'm more concerned about having nine activations and upgrades generally. Um, you know, I, I make sure I have my core. I make sure I have my um, my linebackers. You know, I make sure that if I need fire support, it's there. Generally, that's more of a in in buffing my activation count. The fire support kind of comes in, and then once I kind of have that whole package, I'm like, all right, I have this package. What upgrades make it? better um that, that's just kind of how yeah. i personally approach it i don't know how you guys do that i, I agree generally uh, one big caveat here is when we're talking about upgrades we are specifically not talking about heavy weapon trooper upgrades yes that is um fair. those are those are things that are essentially stapled to your like when you're choosing your units phase like when i'm when i'm picking a z6 unit i don't think of it as i'm taking a rebel rebel trooper unit and then i'm upgrading it with a z6 i think of it as i'm taking a 62 point unit that is a z6 unit yep um you know same with same with snow troopers like you're not taking four snow troopers and then upgrading them with a flamer you're taking like like that that whole thing comes as a package um some some people would disagree and say that like it's not necessarily stapled well, but uh, I mean, not to, not to muddy the waters a little bit, but you know, again, you have to kind of ask yourself, like, what am I buying here? Well, I, yeah, I don't mean to say that you should always be taking heavy weapon upgrades. I just like if you're taking a naked unit, that naked unit is a categorically different choice in your list building phase than when you're taking a Z6 unit. Oh, oh, I, yeah, one hundred, like one hundred, like that's um, what do you call it? I mean, like, not to say that like taking it is not a good idea. Like, it 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 really increases the damage, or I shouldn't say really, but like it it definitely makes those squads much more effective than they otherwise would be. I mean, I would go as far but as again, like it speaks to role. Yeah, it's actually categorically different unit almost. That's what I'm saying is is heavy weapon upgrades are so like integral to the identity of a unit that I, that I don't consider them to be part of this quote-unquote selecting upgrades yeah. section. Are snows just garbage without their heavy weapons? That, that's kind of how it feels. Um, sort of, maybe. So I, Concussion snows are like the the ghetto flamer. It's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> question. I So I haven't spent enough money to answer that question firsthand because I 
don't really have a want to have six snow trooper units. Um, Amen. But I think that they, I, they, they, they have some interesting advantages over stormtroopers in that, you know, um, they still get two actions if they're suppressed, you know, I don't, which is, can be a big deal. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't want to drive down that rabbit hole too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. But, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the, the moral summary advice with upgrades is, is be as lean as possible and like really think about each upgrade that you're taking. Um, yeah. And when you go to player list, like, like remember when you use stuff and then after the game sort of question like, Oh man, you know, I took this grenade and I never used it once. Um, this is like a, you know, it counts against my taking it again next time, you know? Yeah. I, I think overall um, I would play lists like as is like three or four times. If over the course of like four games, you find yourself saying, man, this upgrade doesn't feel worth it. Cut it. Um, yeah. That kind of speaks to practice more than anything. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? If, <laughs> if you take improvised orders and you never use it, you should never take it. And now it's good. And you probably should always be using it. But if you find yourself like you specifically don't use it because whatever reason, like cut it. Um, it's probably wrong, but, <laughs> um, well, maybe, I mean, I mean it, maybe. On what... it might not be wrong for you, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, it depends on your play style and what the rest of your list looks like. Yeah. So, I mean, but I think that that general approach, it's, it's interesting because that's like uh, an upgrade that is, um, it's only good if you decide to use it. Most of the other upgrades have like a tangible effect on the game, regardless of if you decide to use them or not. Um, unless they're like force powers or stuff. Uh, but it's, it's not always clear when you should use a, uh, an upgrade like improvised orders. Right. Yeah, that one just takes some practice. Yeah. Um, I will say that like there are some upgrades that even if you only use them once a game can be worth it, like force push. Um, you know, as a prime example. But man, this yeah. is a deep and complex subject, you guys. I mean, really is. Yeah, we could spend like a whole nother podcast on this, but yeah, unfortunately. Uh, we could spend a podcast on Force Bush alone. Yeah, we could. Maybe we could. We absolutely could. So many words. Maybe, maybe we should. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. <laughs> we should at least spend a podcast on Force users. Definitely. We should talk about Force upgrades and their uses at some point yep. here. But I mean, I, I guess I bring that up because we're kind of running up against the clock here, so we kind of should start winding down here on this discussion. But we've we've kind of covered the rest of our list here, kind of, sort of. We talked touched on them briefly. Uh, we'll probably have to bring back maybe one of these topics on another show. Uh, token mix. We maybe. can. Yeah, let's do token mix and activations on another. Well, I guess we could do that next week if we're talking about your LV. Oh, lists. heck yeah. Because, I mean, that's definitely going to be part of what we discuss when we talk about what we chose to bring, right? Yep. Um, I do want to say, kind of, as we close out this topic, like the golden rule when you're building a list is that you have to be happy with your list. And you have to be comfortable with it. Um, if if it doesn't fit your playstyle, like don't let don't let us or anybody else tell you that your list is 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 crappy. Um, if it's one that you're successful with and you enjoy playing, so 
Unless it's double airspeeder. No, it's yeah, crap. that's that's just that's just bad. <laughs> I've tried it. it. I I can't. It's... I can't do it. Now yeah. now if you if you somehow in your travels, listeners, discover the Holy Grail, let us know. <laughs> we would like to partake of 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 that cup. Uh, and I actually think one airspeeder is worse than two airspeeders. Yeah, actually, you're right. It is worse. <laughs> Which we've, we've talked about before, but yeah. The solution to one pinata is two pinatas. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I play Imperials. I don't have this problem. No, you don't have this yeah. problem. No. no your your, uh, right. your pinatas have 11 health and an 8 hit point resilience check. <laughs> and a lot of guns. And a lot of guns. A lot more guns than mine do. Many guns. More duck. Many guns. Pinatas with, uh, with guns like tied to them with string. <laughs> like it's a vision in my head right now. All right. Anyway, uh, we should probably wrap up because we are up against time, as you said, you've mentioned before. You guys got any closing thoughts? Um, listen to listen to Kyle, man. He knows what he's talking about when he talks about list building. You should read all his stuff. It's really enlightening. <laughs> and listen to Mike. Well, you Be should careful. listen to as, as many different sources as you can find. Yeah, like form do do form your own opinion. Absolutely, but 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 inform it yourself is is what I'll say. So next week we'll be talking uh, what you guys are bringing to LVO. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I've never been to a major tournament like this before. I hope I It'll be fun. do well. <laughs> I'm going to try. Worry, my... We're going to get paired against each other round one. Oh, of okay. course, it's always it'll happen. It'll happen, man. Mike, Mike, and I already checked that box at our last convention. Oh so. uh, no, it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, happens. Uh, it, yeah. All right. Shall we peace out this? Yeah, this yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's shut it down. So, um, for notorious scoundrels, um, my name is David. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Later. Join us next time for another edition of the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. This has been a Fifth Trooper production. <laughs>